You're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland, the show where artists talk about their work. I want to remind you that KBOO is a volunteer-powered community platform. That means we are funded by you, the listener. If you're enjoying this program, please show your support by making a contribution today or better yet, become a monthly sustaining member. Just go to kboo.fm slash give or text the letters KBOO to the number 44321. Thanks very much. My name is Joseph Gallivan. You're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guests this week are Meridorn Duckler and Shannon Amadon. They're here talking about <coughs> Terra Incognita, which runs now at the Verdancy Project near Troutdale through Sunday 27th of August. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus again, Meridorn. Joseph, I'm so glad to be here. So glad to be talking to you. So you're a Blackfish artist. I've had you on a show before. Last year you did a land art show out near the airport. And this time you've got a bigger piece of land. Uh, it's owned by Shannon Amadon. Shannon uses it as an artist retreat. Exactly. Beautiful piece of land. What did Shannon say to you about last year's show? So she came to the show, which was the first land art show ever in Oregon. And um, she had wanted to do an outdoor works and had no, I didn't know exactly how that was going to work. She saw the land art show and she said, land art, that's it. That's the thing. Mm. And um, she didn't know that as much maybe about the genre as I did, but she was immediately attracted to it and felt like this place would be the perfect place to have another show. So mm -hmm. exactly one year ago, I had mine and here we are. So she runs this place as a retreat called the Verdancy Project. So artists come here, it's kind of eco-themed art, like make art that's sort of inspired by nature and conservation. Exactly. So artists come here on, I think, a couple week residencies. I think they come from all over the country, maybe even internationally. And they spend some time here, all kinds of artists, writers, visual artists, and, um, and her idea is that they're going to come, they're going to be out on the land on this beautiful five acres, and it's going to inspire them. Their topics maybe, but, you know, we're not in control of that, right? Mm -hmm. going to be inspirational in all kinds of ways. For Terra Incognita, which means uncharted territory, she tapped up some of her artists and you tapped some of yours and there was an invitation. So between all that, you got like 32 pieces of work yes and i wanted some of the uh blackfish artists that i felt particularly responded to this call and last year i wanted to introduce them to shannon and bring them out here and they have beautiful works out mm -hmm. here um ben mefford um alice walker uh, several other um artists that uh lauren carrera are out here and they um this, so this was a very different environment, even mm -hmm. though it was still outdoors, and sort of a very different process because you had to propose with the actual proposal of what you were going to do. Whereas Blackfish's show was more of like a group show. Whatever you mm -hmm. brought, I dealt with. Yeah, yeah. So let's look at your piece since oh. we're, we're at the beginning. You've made a giant book. It's uh, like, imagine a book propped up at 45 degrees like you're reading it or like a cookbook in a kitchen it's plywood three quarters open and then the pages are these giant sheets of plain white paper kind of wrinkled like they've been out in the weather 
you provided these sticks with feathers and leaves on the end and then ink, like natural ink, and people can kind of daub whatever they want on the blank pages of the book. I have a large book at Blackfish right now called The Big Book of Nothing. And that book has got to be shrinking and shy a little bit because this is an even bigger book. And the idea, its title is Guest Book. And the idea was that I was out um, with my husband who's much more outdoorsy than me. And he said, in nature, I feel I am a guest. And I'm like, you know what, that get, they need a book. We need nature to sign this guest book. Well, like it's a big Airbnb and you write about what fun you had over the weekend. (laughs) And so we made the largest book we can make. It's not the largest book I'm ever going to make, I'll tell you that much, because now I'm really into it. And um, we had the pages open so that nature would sign it. Um, Bugs, bird crap, things falling from the sky, the rain, the sun, the Uh hail. That would be nature signing this guest book. And then we would come by and see it. And then Shannon said, you know what? People really want to interact with that book. It's not enough for nature to sign it. They want to sign it themselves. Mm-hmm. I think kind of interesting idea about how we feel about nature mm-hmm. and our desire to be a presence in it. So then I added the dye, natural dyes, the sticks with the, that, so that you could reach over and maybe make a little sign. And people really responded to that. They mm-hmm. love signing nature's guest book. Where did you get this giant paper? Because it's like eight feet tall and like four feet wide. It was really tricky because we put so many different kinds of paper out here. So I wanted it so that it couldn't be plastic because then you wouldn't be able to mark it. And it couldn't be certain kinds of paper because then it would disintegrate. It's been out here since, like, February. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so we had to test it out a lot. And um, so this was sort of an industrial paper that they use on work sites. And then that, so I figured this paper would be something you could mark and nature could mark and you could sign the guest book, but it wouldn't completely fall apart. Although you see it is wrinkling quite a bit, which I love. But it's not Tyvek. It's not made by the 3M Corporation. It's not, although we did put Tyvek out here. I mean, come on, we tried everything. (laughs) I love this. I know, it's awesome. This is like new seasons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a buffet to go with the book. This is a beautiful one. This is a... I guess it's a, a fallen log, but it's cut in half, and it's like a trencher, it's like a long wooden bowl. And in it, somebody's placed these little blobs of green moss, like very dark green, and then these white, pink, and yellow flowers. They look like they're dried, but maybe they're not. And then streams of other kind of catkins, and then it's other green moss. And it just sort of blends into all the rest of the moss on the tree. Uh, this is by Brook Kunhausen. Yes, and I think there's some, let's look here. So some of them have some information about interacting with the piece. And this says, remember the sky you were born under. Know each of the star's stories. Remember the plants, trees, animal life, who all have their tribes, tribes their families, their histories too talk to them, listen to them. They are alive poems. Mm-hmm. Joy Harjo, fantastic poet. Yeah. So this is a place she wants you to listen. Very important, not nature, even if it's for the cars. And she wants you to speak and respond. Um, and we've been talking about how much people come out into beautiful nature, but they still have a desire to make something of it and to create something with it. I think this piece really speaks to that. It's beautiful all around, and Mm -hmm. then this is the made part, gorgeous. 
Explain that thing you said about uh, land art is not, you make a sculpture and then you stick it outside. Exactly, and this was really important to Shannon, and one of the reasons she wanted to do the show was she wanted the artists to actively involve themselves with the land. In other words, what was the site? What was around it? What were the trees? And to use the elements, which this is a great, fantastic example of, right? So she found moss. I don't know if she brought in the flowers or she picked them. She decided that this log was the place to put them. It's very interactive. So it's not like somebody making a sculpture in their studio and then taking it outdoors. And mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. That's fantastic. But that's not what land art is. Mm -hmm. Land art is a very direct conversation between the artist and the land. So the artist scopes out the land and then reacts to it. Is there anything about land art that you, the viewer has to interact? No. In fact, I think part of it is one of my attractions to it was that it really is left up to the viewer. It's not directive. I love that. In land art, my favorite things were there were no hours, there were no guards. Sometimes there's no plaque on the wall because there's no wall. Mm -hmm. So it really, you have to come out here, you have to bring your whole body to it and your whole self to it, and you're responsible for your reaction to it, and that is one of the things I love about that genre. Mm -hmm. And you did say last year you did a tour of land art in the West. Yes. And the Southwest, and you'd show up and it'd be like people camping in vans around the art. Oh, yeah. I mean, Nancy holds sun tunnels, fantastic. Um, gorgeous, and they're just these gigantic sun tunnels um, out, or these tunnels right out in the middle of the desert. And you go there and you can spend the night in them. There was full of hippies. They were having some kind of pagan ceremonies. I don't know what they were, but who cares? And so, and they just, when you come on them, it's weirdly emotional. I felt very emotional about it, more than I have other kinds of art. Mm -hmm. um, when I saw Spiral Jetty, you know, I'm not a crier, but I was really almost in tears with how, you know, somebody had brought themselves to the land in that way. Mm -hmm and I think it's fantastic. My other guest this week is Shannon Amidon, who runs the Verdancy Project and lives here and knows the land very well. Shannon, thank you for doing this. It's really interesting. Let's talk about one of the pieces we're standing in front of. It's a big painted eye on a tree. Yes, so this piece was done by an artist named Erica Gibson, and she's painted these faces and eyes on the different cedar trees around the property. And what's really neat is she's painted them on with all natural earth pigments, so it's powdered pigments. And she's actually um, a sculptor. She sculpts faces and other things on reclaimed objects, clocks and frames, and she pushed herself out of her regular medium to experiment with these tree paintings. And what's really neat is how they are ephemeral and as the rain comes, they'll kind of disappear. But mm -hmm. we love the way, you know, you hear these things like the trees have eyes or the trees are alive. And mm -hmm. the hills have eyes. The, hill, the hills have eyes as well. So it's nice because some of them are also hidden. And so as you walk around, you might get a glimpse of them. Some are full faces, some are just eyes. And they're really special. Right in front of it, you have these, a ball dangling and it's these seed pods. What are they called? Yes, so these are uh, Devil's Claw, and this was a collaboration with another artist on the land, Deb and Richard Bloom, and they collect a lot of these natural objects, Devil's Claw seed pods, obsidian, and they make different sculptures out of those. And they're very well known in the public, uh, the Portland art scene. They do art in the Pearl, they're on the board of that, they do the Oregon mm -hmm. Country Fair, and they're just really wonderful people. So this is a collaboration between Erica and mm -hmm. Deb and Richard. 
they've done a lot of them, but this pod, it, it, um, it's like a spiky pod that splits, but the two strands coming off the points are really long and almost circular. They, they bend in such a regular way. And then they take these things and they, they kind of knit them into like chain mail hanging between the trees, or in this case, they made a sphere. Yes, they're really versatile and they're kind of um, painful to work with. So they have to wear gloves because they are very spiky. And they're actually uh, a vine that grows in more desert areas and they go and collect them. So they have their, they look like claws. And that's one of the reasons they're called devil's claws, because they have these two long claw um things that poke out of them and they are very versatile in terms of making a they made a hanging curtain out of them they've made some spheres they make chimes they're they're really neat uh, kind of foreboding but also uh, curious at the same time mm-hmm. well shanna just introduced me to rose covert she has this series of tunnels made out of uh, bent well you tell us what it is it's a willow. It's all willow. Mm-hmm. Peeled willow and unpeeled willow. Mm-hmm. That's where the colors come from. And what's it's a it basketry called? willow. What's the piece called? What is it called? It doesn't actually have a title. <laughs> we like to call it the sanctuary. I've been calling it a woven den or a woven sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit like a woven warren. So it's, it's sort of tunnels that uh, branch off each other. Let's go inside. Yeah, come in. There's, there, are, there are a number of spaces. Well, you're tall too, so it's gonna, <laughs> you're gonna experience it a little differently than I do. <laughs> One of the spaces I wanted to create was a bigger space where people would come kind of through a little bit of a tunnel is right, or an entrance, mm-hmm. a, little, a little bit where you have to crouch and then you come in and it opens up a little bit and there's a large space so that people could sit and kind of be held and have a, a moment and an experience in here. And then there's a side tunnel that gets a little bit more narrow and you have to crouch quite a bit more to get in it. Um, and that part, I both wanted to interact with the trees and I wanted to create something a little more mysterious, um, especially for children who are going to for to crouch and get into the little spaces and also for the adventurous, the little mysterious, mm-hmm. a little bit of added in there. And then the roof is partially covered in leaves, like dried leaves. Yes. And I don't actually usually weave with the leaves, but we were, I was weaving all of these fresh. And so the willows were about 15 to 20 feet tall. And I would cut them and put them in big piles and load them on the car and bring them out. And for Mm. this piece, because it was so large and because there's part of what I wanted to create is not just a sculpture, right? I wanted to create a bit of an experience and that feel um, that we get when we're in nature, the feel that animals get when they climb through their dens and their warrens. I wanted to create something human-sized for people to experience mm-hmm. and have an experience of being enchanted by the mm-hmm. wilds. And so the leaves stayed on partially because they were there and they worked really well, but also because they added this different texture. They made it alive in a different way. Um, yeah, it closes you in a little bit more. And Rose, is, Rose has been out here for six months working on this. She's one of the artists who've really been the most dedicated. She started coming out, I think, in March or April every couple of weeks and building the foundation and really creating this. It was amazing um, to see her working through rain and cold and <laughs> heat um, and just slowly building this um, from the perimeter all the way to the woven top. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful shape. There's so many different curves to it. 
And then the willows themselves are, are making different curves that are mm -hmm. yeah. contrary to the shape of the structure. Yeah. Are you going to put LED lights on it? I don't have plans for LED lights, actually. <laughs> I think that you could, you could if you wanted to. I also think if you brought out solar lights and did a little like night set in here, it would yes. be lovely mm -hmm. also. <laughs> and do you smell it? There's like a scent to it. Yeah. The willow has a, a strong scent that you don't smell in other places because we do have a few willows on this property. We have a weeping willow and another willow, but this is a different type of willow mm -hmm. brought in. So, and we're hoping to make it a living sculpture. We're going to be planting some willow around it that will grow over it You'll and weave it. it in. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And help anchor it. It will anchor it and keep it um, really solidly in the ground. And then you just weave the body of the willows back into the structure mm -hmm. um, and it helps keep it nice and sturdy. <laughs> What's the difference between a black willow and the white? The difference is the black willow is just the willow with its bark on how it came in and all of the white willow I peeled the bark off of it and so I actually I use the bark um, for basketry and I teach basketry as well but then you get these beautiful um, nude sticks that mm -hmm. I hadn't actually planned on using. They're a lot stiffer. When you take the bark off for some reason, it makes this the willow stick very, very strong and very stiff. Mm. But this willow usually dries golden, kind of a golden orange. And because of the heat and the season and for whatever reasons, this one dried really dark. Um, and so it just made it perfect to, to add the contrast and the contrasting white. So it was actually, um, it was a little bit of a, a little pivot, but a really fortuitous one. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. <laughs> it adds, I think it adds a lot. So, and and sometimes the materials do that for whatever reason. If we have a hard freeze, they dry a different color than if we don't. Um, if you harvest them at a different time of year, they dry a different color. You know, sometimes as you're weaving them, they start changing colors. So, yeah, that's mm. that's what those are, and that's why. <laughs> that was Rose Covert. Thank you, Rose. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we're here with Clarissa Stevens. Her yeah. piece is sticks and rounds of wood hammered into the ground, but sticking up about six inches. It's beautiful golden cross-sectional color and a dark brown bark. And they make a shape of a mazy river, like a map of a river. So the shape is basically the, uh, the shape of the creek. So I walked it with a GPS um, app and it's the shape of walking the creek um, from property line here to the other property line um, because you can't see the points um, from both uh, from multiple different sections you can't really see the whole creek um, so this piece is kind of to be able to envision the creek through in a smaller version and mm -hmm. actually get to see the shape of yeah. it so it's a big map just yeah, of, the map water, of the water of the water or the mm -hmm. channel and the, yeah the and, and then you've let the uh, the posts are different heights there's a variation of, of a few oh, inches so if you ran ran your hand along it it would it would feel you know uneven i chose to not have it all be one height partially because you know like a creek does not have all one height you have you know you have pebbles and you have uh, and it's and it changes in depth and so it's kind of that undulating feel of the creek where it's you know the ripples and the movement um, are created a little bit throughout the multiple pieces made up mm -hmm. in the wood so. so this is a very sturdy piece and you said your husband who you run a building supply company and you got a digger to dig the trench yeah right? yeah so we have a home home building company um, called stratified solutions and we 
we're able to borrow an excavator mm-hmm. and um, dig out portions of the uh, this piece, and then um, and then able to backfill it with sand and mm-hmm. um, make it kind of combined with the land. Um, and you like using ha- you skills. hammered it in. Um, so we did. So we dug f- about four inches down and used the soil actually to create Kendra Roberts' piece, um, which is also a, a, a compass, which is interesting because it's also mm-hmm. mapping. Um, but uh, but then and then placed all the pieces and back and piled fill sand on top and then washed it in, and that's mm-hmm. what created it to like become one with the land. Mm-hmm. What I really love about this is this is Beaver Creek in Troutdale, yeah. and I've never been able to see the creek in its entirety mm. like this, and I have never known it was this shape. I've walked the creek myself. We've been here many years. We've seen the creek graze, dry up and raise over the banks, but to be able to visualize the creek in this mm-hmm. way is really special to show people the way the water flows, how it changes, how it erodes the banks over time. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciated um, the Clarissa did the work. She was out here in these waders, mapping the creek, mm-hmm. walking up and down the creek to get the shape of it. Um, and also having her bring out the excavator onto this land. Mm-hmm. It, it was really a special experience to see it all come together because I saw her from the very beginning, many months ago, mapping the creek and then coming up with the concept, cutting all the wood, hours and hours of cutting and time to create this really special piece that really speaks to the land. It mm-hmm. is part of the land because it is the creek. Well, I was saying, you know, if she got a steamroller and just drove <laughs> it over the whole thing, pushed the wood into the ground, yeah. it would look like a, a path. I know, right? And I, I don't know, what's your policy on keeping any of these works? Um, several of them are going to be staying. We've talked to the artist um, in the beginning. We talked to them seeing what can stay and what can't stay. We're still working with Clarissa on this one. We just want to make sure it's safe for people who walk through in the residence. But I do love this piece because it, the creek is really special to me. And um, I love the idea of honoring the creek in this way so i kind of love the steamroller idea too i wasn't i wasn't i was thinking of planting flowers in it after oh, the wood yeah. was gone to have we a path of flowers tripping, right. exactly right, exactly yeah. <laughs> so thank you clarissa that's great thank you we're here with jocelyn rice jocelyn's piece is a, a kind of a um, leafy cabin it's called the night the stars fell and it has this beautiful dark bark chip floor full of little silver stars like from a craft store um there's a cushion a mat a little altar covered in bottles there are books there are things to write with and it's this beautiful little space it's open on both ends and it tells a story you can press a button and there's an audio recording of a story so tell us jocelyn what is the story Sure. Um, The story is about Jane Clark, who was um, an enslaved woman who witnessed the Lenoid's meteor shower. And so the whole concept is just providing her a space to be in when she escaped. So she was enslaved during infancy and then um, escaped in her 30s. Um, So she she spent 
the majority, uh, majority of her life enslaved. She spent 11 months in a cabin hiding, um, just waiting for the right time. So um, this is kind of an homage to what I would hope that she could have for herself. Mm -hmm. And um, it was also like a releasing point for me at some point, like coming out here and working um, with these kinds of materials that I've never worked with before. Um, there was a lot of like fighting and struggle and um, anger and joy and all those things. And it kind of, we kind of merged at some point in the process, but um, I wanted to be able to give her a place and tell her story. Mm -hmm. So you're an apparel designer normally, but you've built this out of, what kind of wood have you bent over in a arch? This is all cedar from the property. This is Shannon. She, um, a lot of the artists we let harvest um, materials from the property. And I just want to say, we, Jocelyn was one of the first people to turn in her proposal. When we reached out to artists to invite them, we asked them for proposals on what they might imagine creating here. And she was so inspired and it was, her proposal was absolutely beautiful. And I, we wanted to do whatever we could to help support that. And she's been out here so much for like 10 hours a day working on this piece, changing it, rearranging it, spending time on the land, just getting to know the space. I was so impressed with how professional she was and her creativity. And this is just such a special piece and tells such a, an important story. And I'm so honored to have Jocelyn here and have her telling the story that I think people need to know about. Mm -hmm. There are pieces in the creek, there are boats floating, there are, there's a bunch of bodies all sitting in a circle, people playing music. There are so many pieces there, I mean, 30 odd pieces. I think this is one of the most carefully made. It's got the most detail and it's because you're, you're telling a story. So just to explain, the, the enslaved woman, was she waiting for a dark night to escape or a night with light like the meteor shower or neither? I'm not sure. I mean, their stories are so kind of um, because they're told by somebody else. Um, it's hard to tell. And during those times, the night was a lot of cover for folks. Um, but it doesn't say what she was waiting for necessarily. Um, it just talks about the idea that when you are enslaved, it isn't, um, it wasn't that quick that you would, sometimes people would wait for months or years and hide in one spot. Um, there were a lot of times people would be hidden underground. So people would go into um, certain folks' homes and um, they would dig up kind of like a um, cellar underground for people to stay for months at a time. So mm -hmm. it's just continually telling how difficult those journeys were. Mm -hmm. um, and this was the 1830s mm -hmm. and she escapes and then went to New York. She did, and she lived there with her brother as a free woman, but she still was a servant for someone. Um, she did get paid, but the work was the same. But freedom is better than being flogged every day, mm -hmm. um, and your body becomes your own. Um, so she finally, in her 30s, was able to make some money and live free with her brother, which was beautiful that her brother made it with her as well mm -hmm. um, a lot of times people did make it with their families um, which was a beautiful thing as well it, it's kind of like in a museum where you go into a space and you press a button and you hear a recording but this is way more intimate and you you program the the audio that goes on this yellow button yes i really wanted i love sound i'm really attracted to um 
sound and smells and being able to taste and touch and all of the things when you're experiencing work, um, artwork. And so being able to find something from childhood and use that in order to record, it's one of those little buttons you would find in a teddy bear. (laughs) And then um, did it with some music and just told her story so that people could You don't have to use your phone. You can just sit in there and hear the story and be in the moment. You can write in there. There's um, rocks you can write on. There's a letter I wrote to her um, just to say thank you for being who she is and being able to provide that for her. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you. (laughs) My name's Joseph Gallivan. You've been listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guests this week were Mary Dawn Duckler and Shannon Amadon. They were talking about Terra Incognita, which is on now at the Verdancy Project near Troutdale through August the 27th. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus. Thank you so much, Joseph. It was wonderful to talk to you. Thank you very much. We loved having you out. Andy Warhol loves a scream. Hang him on my